everyone. Welcome to the Flexible Dieting Podcast. I am Kevin Brunacini here with Austin Kiergaard and Joe Kremzeski. And today is going to be on self-monitoring. And I'm inspired by this topic just because it was a foundational principle of my doctorate project, or at least one of the main principles. But it, I want to funnel this one out and tease it on, tease it a little bit just because looking at the research, especially when you look at the National Control Registry website and their evidence of what they've found from successful weight lo- weight losers, weight weight loss losers, is that self-monitoring is the single greatest indicator of long-term success. Granted, there are other variables in terms of what dictates quote-unquote success, but from a behavioral standpoint, self-monitoring is the strongest leading variable that dictates that. So um, I'd like to this probably turn into a two-parter question, but count as one. But I'll start with you, Joe, on how do you handle clients that are resistant to tracking or self-monitoring? Man, I, I run into this more now than ever. It seems like culturally, just some of the changes in the last 20 to 30 years, it, it it's just we have so many more tools that's the irony we have apps and so forth things that make it easier there's a, a great amount of information out there yet people are either getting information where they want to be more intuitive and not rigid which is fine they want to be more flexible than structured which is fine but at the same time if you don't have any way to measurably increase your accuracy and objectivity you're just shooting from the hip. You're flying blind. You you just it, it makes it so much more difficult. But I also like to entertain the principle that clients should have a good deal of autonomy. I can meet them where they are. I can guide them toward the path that I think will help them the most objectively. So you, you know maybe we just need to as the the omnipotent you know narrators omniscient narrators get them to that point guiding them without being very you know dictative that you must do this you can't do it th- any other way but at the same time you don't want to do a disservice to them by letting them languish in frustration and just not get anywhere so i am very 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 strong initially in saying if you don't have some mechanism to know what your exact food quantity is it's going to be very difficult and frustrating. And if I have to let them feel that frustration for a bit, I will. But I I try to convince them, man, if you can just learn this now, do the hard work, weigh and measure and do these kind of things for a couple of weeks to calibrate your brain as far as what is in certain foods, it's going to be so easy. So I really do try to get them to, to learn those principles right up front. And before asking this, to you, Austin. I this my second part of this question, and you really just just segued it perfectly to want me to ask you because I feel this is tangible for not only for clients but even for coaches that are listening. Is for those clients that are so resistant to wanting to log or track, what do you use to monitor progress at that point? So in our app, we use a big. If there's no weight, if there's no food logs, what are you going to be advising? Yeah. Oh, with, with with our app, we use, uh, you know, you can use pictures and I can use that as an educational tool. So you can just take a picture of your meal and I can say, well, look, you know, that looks like it's about four to five ounces of chicken. You know, look at this. Oh, I see that there's cheese on the salad that you got at, 
you know, this steakhouse or whatever, they usually do that in ounce increments. And so I just start to do the objective part for them. So I'm modeling that uh, very much like when a client asks me, hey, Joe, what's in this food? I go to Google, what's in this food? And I send them a screenshot. So I'm basically saying like, hello, you can cut out the middleman. You can go right here. So again, I'm I'm just modeling the fact that you can very easily get this information and it's simpler than you may think. I love hearing that, especially just role modeling and exactly what I expected to hear. Um, I mean, as a compliment, but uh, to, to ask you of the same Austin, just starting with first of, you know, for those clients that may be resistant uh, when you're coaching them, how do you handle, how do you handle that dialogue, that conversation with them? Yeah. So I like to find out maybe the resistance first, like, like kind of just asking them, like, why, why are you feeling resistant to this? Is it just because it's overwhelming? If so, then let's take it in chunks. Like let's maybe just focus on tracking protein and just see how that kind of goes. If it's just because they don't want to, because they want to do more like eating intuitively. Um, this kind of goes back to one of our earlier podcasts and Joe had mentioned it's, it's very difficult, at least in my opinion, to eat intuitively until you have kind of done it for a while and kind of had an idea of what true portions look like. And you've kind of had those experiences going back to another previous podcast and you've learned how to manage your hunger cues and things like that. So if, if they're still very resistant, then I try to see if we can come up with some sort of compromise. Um, there's kind of an old method where it's using your hand to track. So like, you know, your hands like roughly three ounces, like the length of deck of cards and your fist is roughly, you know, close to 30 carbs and, you know, your thumb is like an ounce of fat. So uh, I've had some people that have started there, but to Joe's point, once we've started there and they realize that they're not seeing the results, then it's kind of the eye opener of like, okay, like I tried this type of tracking and doing it kind of my way, but now I realize that I need to be more accurate because it's I feel like I'm measuring more so than I was before, but it's clearly not working and it's not as accurate. So now what do we do? Do we measure with like things like cups and ounces because for whatever reason they don't want to use a scale or do we use a scale? So I kind of try to figure out the the why behind the resistance, see if we can come up with a compromise, try one plan, like again, maybe just focusing on tracking one macronutrient like protein and then easing into something else or just trying kind of the, the hand method, so to speak, and then just kind of seeing how things go. And when it doesn't go according to plan, then having revisiting that conversation of, okay, like, can we try, you know, tracking all three macronutrients now? Can we try being a little more precise and and then just going from there? I have forgotten about visual aids or visualizations of, of food amounts. I haven't used that in years, but I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I, I just, that has escaped my mind as a practical way to, to help clients get started. Cause in my experience, you know, more, I'm, I don't want to call it more resistance, but more people are just more adept to tracking or they have at least dabbled into it to some degree with digital food uh, diaries now being so convenient and available, um, which sometimes can sour their experience um, based on no progress, especially if they're, it's, if they take it upon themselves to do so versus an actual coach relationship, but still that can be that can be soured or biased if they have had a poor experience, then they often don't want to track based on that experience. So um, 
it's not surprising to hear that we meet them where they are. Clearly, that's not going to dictate any type of change or response if we just dictate and prescribe you must do this or else. Um, but you know, to that point, they have to understand there is the language of nutrition. They have to understand. And if they're not there yet, then fine. We can find ways to to bridge that gap. But ultimately, it is going to be what's most objective. I think what's most important that clients and coaches tell clients, <laughs> that's funny, um, is that it's a tool. Monitoring is a tool when you need it. You know, it is a behavior in the sense of awareness in the grand scheme. You know, self-monitoring doesn't have to be, you know, technical logging of each thing that you're doing, but you're being mindful, you're monitoring, therefore, of how progress is going. Therefore, you can choose what to do about it. Um, just as you said previously, Joe, you know, you must pay the price based on that data or just the awareness of what's going on. You're choosing what you're going to do with that. But um, I want to swing it back to you, Joe, because Austin, you actually answered my my last question on terms of just easier ways to get clients started. And if, you know, one is the visualization of, of foods, not to mention, you know, you could simplify logging so that it's not focused on each macronutrient, but maybe just calories and a protein or just calories, whatever it may be. So to ask you the same, Joe, if, if there's a, other strategies you may have on the back burner, what, what would you suggest of easier ways to monitor that's not traditional tracking and well i would go back to what i mentioned in our research review that we did yesterday for the flexible dieting institute is that there's nothing wrong especially for a while of just taking that objectivity of measuring macronutrients and calories doing meal prep and getting those meals lined out for the week and then your work is done you just eat the food you prepared and, and that's part of what I think people have a resistance to is that just seems so restrictive. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you're here for a goal. I, I have a client who just crossed the 175 pound mark. She's lost 175 pounds. It's taken Damn. more than two years. Like think of how much freaking work that was and diligence and consistency. And I'm going to whine and cry about, I have to track, track, you know, to lose 20 pounds. Um, it's like, man, if this is a goal to you, do the freaking work. The irony is once you've done that, once you've figured those things out, it just gets so much easier. So it's, it is that front. And, and I know we all have a little bit of, uh, you know, stiff arm to authority mindset. Maybe that's just very American and Western, but I know even personally, as soon as I say, okay, today's the day I start my diet. I immediately just want to eat more, you know, because it's cerebrally more in my in my purview. But at the same time, if I give myself a really strict plan, which is kind of an induction phase where I say, okay, I really want to get through this, this metabolic switch transition. I want to do kind of a gut check to myself. I want to make sure I've got my own attention. So I intentionally have super, super high structure to get me started then the physiological transitions take over. It gets physically easier. I have less hunger. And then all of a sudden I can ease up a little bit with more flexibility. Maybe I planned a little bit more of a calorie increase after that induction phase. So again, as you said, you know, pay the price, pay the price initially, get yourself in that mindset and, and behaviorally doing those things. And then you'll have such an easier time. Yeah. And invariably I would, think for all of us, eventually clients understand and see the value of what 
objectivity brings to the table. The analogy you've used in the past, Joe, is you know you can just drive out west and be and arrive in California, but you if you just drive this way, you'll go west. But if you want to drive to California, you probably should have a map and know what the roads are so that you can get there safely, quickly, etc. So having a plan, having strategies, whether that's logging as a particular tool, if you increase objectivity, you're going to have a obviously increased likelihood of success just because you have you have you have the the numbers, the the data there with you, but in the event that things don't go as predictably, then we can evaluate things. It's just you know from a to transfer it to another thing. I can't just diagnose patients with hypertension without getting a blood pressure. You know, they may have other symptoms, sure, but that doesn't mean anything necessarily without that evidence. So we need that objectivity for a reason. Yes, it may be a nuisance. Yes, their arm may hurt for 10 seconds while we get the blood pressure, but you know, there is a price to pay. I think it's a small one, but we're all biased. But nonetheless, uh, to wrap up, uh, you know, self-monitoring is a it is a behavior, yes, it is a long-term strategy, but within that, it's a continuum of how you can implement self-monitoring practices. Ob uh, tracking in a traditional way is what's going to grant the most objectivity, and therefore, I don't want to say success, but it's going to limit um, limit hurdles along the per along the pursuit. But um, self-monitoring, nonetheless, does in does heighten self-awareness, which at the end of the day ultimately comes down to you to choose what you're going to do about it. Hopefully if the goal is that important, you will choose and follow through. And uh, that is why self-monitoring as a, as a concept behavior is most paramount when it comes to weight loss and weight maintenance success. So thanks everyone. Thanks you too, I should say. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this is a flexible dieting podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Mm -hmm.